Hello friends and welcome to another Black History Moments with Bo. You know the reason that I do this show is that I love sharing the richness of our heritage with you. The people of color has given so much to this planet and it's a shame that it has been tucked away and hidden. But we, that's you and me, we're gonna bring this to the light. We're gonna let our children and our grandchildren know the truth. And I don't get paid to do this. I don't have no sponsors. I'm not selling anything, nor am I asking for anything. Just your ear. Sometimes it might take a whole village. So if you have stories or knowledge that you would like to share with us, I will certainly share it with our friends. All you have to do is send me a comment on our website and I will certainly share it. Now, you know, I hate to say this, but I got to put it out there because it is the truth. There are haters. So if you're commenting something to me that is derogatory or if you want to call me the N-word, I just want you to know that you get no response from me. I have outgrown that. That is what my grandfather and great-grandfather were called. If you can't come up with anything better than that, keep it to yourself and have a great day. I'm going to tell you a story this morning, a little-known fact about our Native American brother and sisters. In May 2018, U.S. Attorney General Jeff Sessions announced that the government would begin to separate children from their families who had crossed from Mexico into the United States. More than 5,000 children were torn from their relatives. Tragically, this is not the first time the U.S. government has systematically and forcibly removed children from their loved ones. In 1890, the United States government ended open warfare against Native American tribes, which had began in the 17th century and intensified through the 19th century. The population of Native peoples once in the millions had plummeted to around 250,000. Many of these politically and military defeated communities were confined to reservations that occupied a fraction of their traditional homelands. What to do with these newly confined peoples? 
the goal became a simulation to transform Native Americans into good Christian citizens. As one school founder said at the time, kill the Indian in him and save the man. And this was attempted by breaking up reservations and outlawing religious practices. But the Native American adults were strong and they would never, ever change. Real change could only come by focusing efforts on their children. In most cases, law enforcement took children at gunpoint. And there had always been schools for Native students. Now the role of schools in assimilating children now took on a new urgency. By 1900, 307 boarding schools and day schools had opened across the country, educating more than 26,000 Native students. They no longer had anything to do with their families. And if you were a parent who resisted sending your child to these schools, meant that you were often severely punished. They would withhold food rations that families depended on. Fathers were often sent to prison. And in most extreme cases, law enforcement took children at gunpoint. And one of the main things they tried to do was to enforce the children to forget their languages. One teacher said it was his job to help annihilate indigenous people's cultural identities. This was the mindset under which the United States government forced tens of thousands of Native American children to attend assimilation boarding schools. In Carlisle, Pennsylvania, U.S. Cavalry Captain Richard Henry Pratt, who opened the first such school, spoke these words which came to symbolize the brutality of the boarding school system. And I quote, The only good Indian is a dead one, and that high sanction of his destruction has been an enormous factor in promoting Indian massacres. In a sense, I agree with the sentiment, but only in this, that all the Indians there is in the race should be dead. Kill the Indian in him and save the man. General Richard Henry Pratt. That, my friends, is not a simulation. That is extermination. The history of this forced assimilation is far from settled. In August 2017, the U.S. Army began exhuming the graves of three children from the northern Arapaho tribe who had died at Pratt's Carlisle Indian Industrial School. The children's names were Little Chief, Horse, 
and Little Plume, names they were forbidden to use at the school. These schools that the government had opened were were susceptible to deadly infections like tuberculosis and the flu. And between 1879 and 1918, nearly 200 other children were buried in the same cemetery as the northern Arapaho boys. Carlisle and other boarding schools were part of a long history of the U.S. attempts to either kill, remove, or assimilate Native Americans. You see, as white population grew in the United States and people settled farther west towards the Mississippi in the late 1800s, there was an increased pressure on the recently removed groups to give up some of their new land. Now, this was land that was given to the Indians. Remember that old saying from your childhood, Indian giver? Since there was no more Western territory to push the Indians towards, the United States decided to remove them by assimilating them. In 1885, Commissioner of Indian Affairs Hiram Price explained, it is cheaper to give them education than to fight them. And as I mentioned before, part of this push for assimilation, boarding schools forbid Native American children from using their own languages and names as well as practicing their own religion and culture. They were given Anglo-American names, clothes, and haircuts, and told they must abandon their way of life because it was inferior to white peoples. You know, my friends, these schools left a devastating legacy and they failed to eradicate Native American cultures as they thought they would. In August 2017, the Army sent the remains of Little Chief and Horse back to their relatives on the Wind River Reservation. The Northern Arapaho buried them on August 18, 2017. Little Plume, however, was not sent back because he wasn't found. In what was supposed to be his coffin, archaeologists instead discovered the bones of two others who couldn't have been Little Plume because their ages did not match. Researchers aren't sure who those two people are, or where Little Plume could be, and the Northern Arapaho haven't stated whether they'll continue to search for him. For now, the Army has reburied the two people found in his coffin, and Little Plume remains one of Carlisle's many missing children. There you have it, my friends. Another atrocity. And by all accounts, 
I am sure that someone thought that they were doing a good thing. I have never been able to figure out how you can discover a land that was already inhabited by millions of people of color. And to my Native American sisters and brothers all over this country, I feel you. My friends, it is that time. Until next time, it has been my pleasure and it has been my honor. Good day.